Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. Yes, and I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. John Bricado. And we have some heavy hitters today, don't we? We do. We've been uh, chalking these episodes full of guests. You know, it's not just those one on one conversations anymore. So, you know, today mm-hmm. we have we have three individuals. Uh, the all execs. executive, the execs episode, yeah. all executive directors of their relative ASBOs. So we have Brian Chechnicki of New York, Sharon Bruce of Connecticut, and Sandy Hallowell of the Southeastern ASBO. And we just really discover what it's like to be an executive director, mm-hmm. what they need to do in terms of answering to the board, making sure they're serving their membership, and really how they balance it all and use each other as resources and leverage each other's knowledge. So really fascinating conversation today. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with the ASBO execs. Today on the podcast, we have three very special guests. We have Sandy Hallowell, Executive Director of the Southeastern ASBO, Sharon Bruce, Executive Director of Connecticut ASBO, and Brian Chechnicki, Executive Director of ASBO New York. Welcome, everyone. We're glad to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. It's a little bit different for us. Uh, so we're yeah, glad looking for a different perspective, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so a- as we get started, um, you know, one of the things we do, anybody comes on, um, we like to get a sense of, you know, for our listeners, that is, uh, you know, what what it is you do, you know, your background, your experience. So um, if you don't mind, you know, we have a few guests on. Um, we could start. It doesn't matter where we you may be, Sandy. Or- yeah, well, my name is Sandy Hallowell, and I'm the executive director of the Southeastern ASBO, which includes the 12 southeastern states from West Virginia down to Florida and over to Arkansas. I personally live in Mississippi and wow. am a retired business manager. So I was in the business for 27 years, and it was actually a MASBO for Mississippi member and a SASBO member for Southeastern. And for about 20 years. And that's what got me um, involved in SASBO is they needed an executive director just about the time I retired. So that's how I got involved with the organization. Perfect timing. And can I just ask a follow-up question? Is each individual state represented by your ASBO? Do they have their own state ASBO? Yeah, I was going to say that. That's a lot. Okay. They don't all have an executive director. Some of their boards Mm. do it all. But yes, they all have a state ASBO. But they all have you, Sandy, so that's what's important. Uh, exactly. Right. <laughs> all right, Sharon, how about you? Um, yes, I'm Sharon Bruce with uh, the Connecticut ASBO. Um, I actually was not an associate, or I was not um, a school business official. I've always been um, an association executive. So um, I had worked at an association management firm, primarily working with um, medical associations and a collegiate licensing association. And when I was expecting my first son, I wanted to be able to uh, be home with him. And so CASBO was looking for the very first executive director. And that was, uh, mm. I was hired and uh, started wow. with them October 1st, 1997. So I just celebrated my 25th anniversary. 25th. Yeah. Awesome. So I I started, nice. I I started October first and I had my son on November fifth. So he's grown up right oh, with. Me. <laughs> there you go, on training. <laughs> and Brian, we know you pretty well, but for those of you who do not, why don't you give us your uh, your background? Yeah, no, I was I was going to say uh, glad to be back. I, I think this is my fourth time, so I'm expecting the five timer jacket like Saturday. It's the fourth Live. time. Wow, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a vet. Oh, you are a vet then. <laughs> so, but yes, my name is Brian Chechnicki. I'm the executive director here in New York. Um, I I have a third different background uh, among the panel. I actually come from the state of New York. I spent uh, nearly 20 years 
in, in a couple of different capacities, um, all related to school finance. I was in our, our division of budget, which is New York's version of an OMB, which I know many other states have. Um, I also spent some time in the governor's office, as well as the state education department, all in different capacities uh, related to, to state aid and school finance. And so for most of my career, I was actually one of the regulators uh, for uh, for ASBO members. And so, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, our, our this position here in New York became available and, and I was looking for some opportunities that were a bit different from being a bureaucrat. And um, here I am. Awesome. Well, always glad to have you on the podcast, Brian. I didn't realize it was four already, Jack. That's uh, that's That must that be is a record. Lot. You know? <laughs> that is a record. No one else has been on it four times, but no. hey, he's the executive director, right? <laughs> right. We've got to make him happy. So there you go. transitioning a little bit, Jack and I and our listeners, primarily as school business officials, you know, we have an obligation to uh, report to our superintendent and report to the board and have a lot of interactions with our boards of education. The three of you as executive directors have similar interactions with your boards of your respective ASBOs, but I'm sure there's similarities and there are some differences, but maybe Sharon, starting with you, can you kind of just tell us about your role and kind of your relationship with your board and just how that plays out in your organization? Sure, sure. I'll be happy to. Um, when I actually started with CASBO, I was part-time. I've grown it, you know, the position has grown to be full-time. And um, I think the reliance on me has grown in that time. Um, our relationship is very collaborative. There's a great deal of respect. Um, I think they, having never been a school business official, that's where their, you know, my board strength is. But they look at me then to um, fill in with the association management side of that, um, as well as the historical. I've kind of been, having been here for 25 years, they say, well, how did we do it whenever, <laughs> you know, 25 years ago? Um, the other thing is we're a very small staff. I'm pretty much the only one. I have a director of government affairs. It's a part-time position. Um, as well as I have um, uh, administrative services that we use with an association management firm. But otherwise, I pretty much do everything. So um, no. We thought we nice. had it bad. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that's, that's something else. <laughs> All those hats, right? Yep. I love it, though. Wow. I'm very blessed. Hey, son, you like to do That's great. I also have a staff of one. Now, I've got 4,200 members, but... They're, if they're a member of their state association, they pay their $10 dues to be a member of SASBO. So uh, my role, well, I, first of all, I was president of SASBO, so they think, I, they think I know it all anyway, and I can do it all. Um, and I do, do, sure. I do do a lot for them because they are, they're so spread out, and they're active in their state associations too. Um, but I've been doing the job for five years, and um, thank God for – virtual platforms that we can now meet virtually. Um, we get a lot of our, our e- work done either virtually or through email. Um, we try to do it through committee work. and But we basically we plan two conferences a year, a leadership summit, which is a small, like 70-person event, and then our larger mm-hmm. conference in the spring of every year, which brings um, around 300 people every year. That's nice. It's very sizable. So, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I think in full disclosure for your audience, audience, uh, John and Jack are, are both members of my board. Um, and yeah, tread uh, lately, Brian. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think and, and you know, and, and, you know, again, as sort of a, a slightly different take, you know, I'm, I'm approaching my the end of my second year here. Um, I, I came to the organization in a time of transition and um, we've had a lot of uh, uh 
transition in the time that I've been here. Um, you know, things that we could probably get into in a whole other podcast episode. But um, I think through all of those challenges, all of that restructuring, um, you know, the, the relationship I've had with the board has been very fluid. Uh, one that I think over time continues to um, change in a positive way towards building more trust and comfort. And so I, I think you know we're we're still we're still working through some of that and, and getting there. But I, I do think once we're sort of over this hump of of transition uh, with you know personnel and systems and offices and, and all sorts of things, um, you know I, I think we've we've got a really strong relationship, uh, having come through all that together um, with with sort of a unified goal in mind uh, of where we want to be. Yeah, I would agree, Brian. I want to try and limit my personal commentary since we do work together. But yes, I, I would totally, totally agree with you there. Great. Um, so I, I have a question to author. Um, this is a, like more of a, um, not even a hypothetical question, but more of an in-depth um, look at at how, how you feel about your association. So um, let's say if your association were to be on the cover of your favorite newspaper or magazine, let's say in, fi- in five years, perhaps, uh, what ideally would that story be about? So I think I'll jump in here. And, and as the resident New Yorker, um, you know, I'll, I'll say one of my favorite magazines is The New Yorker. Um, and, you know, I think okay. they've got some great reporting. But, you know, if if, mm-hmm. if Asbo New York were to, were to end up in The New Yorker, um, well, number one, hopefully it's for a good reason. Uh, but number two, I, I think, you know, five years from now, they'd be doing a profile on us. Uh, on all the work that we've been doing to elevate the school business profession and how that's Trans, translated into success for students, right? That there's been some creative uses with federal dollars or um, something that we've done with our foundation money, or maybe there's some new programs that we've been doing through child nutrition or, or transportation or something along those lines, and that there's some really great examples of things happening in the state. And so, um, you know, I, I think in the, the work that we're doing, um, you know, I think that's a pretty lofty goal, but but it's certainly something that that we should we should have out there as, as something we can always be striving certainly. for. Yeah, something I, I certainly Brian? hope to see at, at some point, definitely in the next five years. So, Sharon, Connecticut Asbo is on the cover of magazine in five years. What do you see as the headline in the story that supports your organization? Well, so you I got think a big what smile, I'd, by the way. Yeah, well, I think what I'd what I'd love to see, and I don't know if it'd be five years. And that is that, you know, our districts have the funding and the resources that they need in all of the districts for every child so that they'll be a successful and productive grown up. I mean, isn't that Mm -hmm. what we all want for our own kids? And I think if you look at um, how we what every day, what what our associations do is what's best for our kids, whether they be our own personal kids or the, the kids in the district. I agree that with Sharon that, you know, our, we're there to help the students long run through helping the business official. But I think SASBO meets kind of a niche in that we can provide the networking. That's probably the most beneficial thing we would tout on the magazine would be that we provide the networking between the states, because it's interesting to hear the differences between our retirement plans or state funding, all the the budget concerns that we have, although, and we have a lot in common, you know, the ESSER funds and management issues and all those. So I, I think we kind of meet that niche for the states. Um, as far as um, a five-year plan, we've got uh, a strategic plan that we meet. We try to, you know, look at it every three to five years and update it. Um, and it's up, the board develops it. The board, they mm-hmm. break into little committees, they develop it and and they, they implement the programs that they feel 
that would be beneficial to the majority of our members. Great. And I, I think you bring up a, a wonderful point, Sandy, and that's kind of a, a reoccurring theme here on this podcast is the networking piece is so crucial to what we do. And I, I think I can maybe speak for the whole group here that whether you're networking with your, your membership or your other associations, you get a lot of great ideas. And, you know, as mm-hmm. you said, we, we do a lot of the same work, but there are different approaches to it. And I think that was ever present when Jack and I were at ASBO International this past year and just really got a full breadth of who's out there and who's doing what and just really got some great ideas. So really the networking piece is huge. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, being a part of a nonprofit is not equal in every single facet of what we do. And especially since we have a, a very interesting cross section here of two state ASBOs and one regional ASBO, I'm just wondering, um, what are the similarities I guess you could, you could tie with your establishment of goals for your association and, you know, when you identify these goals, how are you kind of measuring them and achieving them? And I guess, you know, Brian, maybe you can kick it off for us. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've, we've done a lot of work on this end uh, as, as uh, in my time here, um, our, our, our biggest, uh, our biggest effort has been in the last few months, uh, the, the board and staff together have, have reviewed and revised our strategic plan. And a big part of that work has been not just looking at what are, what are our, our goals, but also what are the measurements of success that we're going to use so that we know we've, we've achieved these goals uh, at some point in the future, whether it's a few months from now or for a few years from now. And so that's been, um, I think, a, an important shift in our conversations is not just what is it that we want to do, it's how do we know we've gotten there? Because that also helps sort of paint the discussion about are we setting the right goal? Because if it's not something that we think we can measure or the measurement really doesn't make sense in the, at the end of the day, um, maybe we need to rethink that goal. And so, um, you know, we've, we've done some good work, I think on, on starting to set up that framework. We still have more work to do in sort of developing an operations plan and, and, uh, fleshing out some of those specific measurements. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, very happy about the direction we're heading in there. And, and you know, likewise, we have a, a three-year strategic plan. So we're, we're kicking off that first year of that. But, um, you know, I, I think we're going to have some really tangible, measurable um, results at the end of this process. It's a little harder to measure when you're so spread out between the 12 states. So we do a lot of surveying um, after our events or after okay. a webinar or something, we'll do a survey and just see what kind of feedback we get. Um, if our programs are stale, you know, they want something different at conference, we, we listen. We actually we take the survey and we actually look at it and, and try to implement changes. I do a lot of recommending, too, you know, especially when it comes to conference time. You know, maybe we got too much sit and get and we need to do a little bit more interactive, engaging sessions. So we are always trying to improve to provide what's best to our members. And I'm curious too, I mean, just with surveying in general, it can be hit or miss. Are you finding that your membership is proactively taking these surveys and providing you meaningful feedback or is it kind of like, you know, blood from a stone kind of thing? Um, I think the ones that participate, and honestly, there's probably about a 35% participation. They're the ones that really care. Yeah, They're the yeah. ones that really want to give the feedback. I mean, they're not getting any prize for the feedback. So they're the ones that really care. So those are the ones we listen to. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And then Sharon, how about you in your terms of your, you know, defining those goals and measuring and and moving forward with your organization? Well, we're faithful about our strategic plan. We do a big strategic planning meeting at least every three years, and then we'll do a smaller one in between. But when we take our strategic plan, it doesn't like go up on a shelf. It is put into a spreadsheet with the goals, the strategies, and we um, make it a part of our board meeting every time. 
And so it will have a, um, a column of, you know, what the progress has been, and then if we need any feedback or resources for the board. So it's something that we're looking at all the time. And, um, you know, and then I will be honest, there are sometimes that when we get to the end of the year or the second year, if something hasn't happened with a particular goal or strategy, you realize it's probably not something that is of high importance. So then we sure. move on to something else. But um, but we do, we're always looking at it, making sure that we're, um, whatever we're doing, whatever we engage in next is something that is um, in support of our strategic plan and our goals. That's good stuff. Good stuff. You know, I, I'm also curious myself, uh, Sandy and Sharon, I know you've been involved for such a long time, uh, Sharon, 25 years and, and Sandy, 20 plus years as well. You know, how has things evolved through that time? I mean, I think I really, that was one of the first questions that alluded to me. I wanted to ask you both um, and Brian was that, you know, your initial involvement into the organization, you know, how that came about and really like over all these years, how has it really, you know, made the transitions, you know? Well, I'll jump in and say that I've noticed a lot more of virtual platforms and and providing webinars virtually. That's been a big change. Um, A lot more females in the business. I think when I started, there were a whole lot of females in the business. Yeah, I'll follow up on what what Sandy was saying because um, that I think is one of the things I've noticed the most over the time. I think when I started, we were probably 30% women, 70% men. And we just recently surveyed our members to find out, you know, the demographics of them. We are at least 65% women. So that's, you know, changed some things about how we might offer programming. Um, I think out of every challenge that you have, and, and if certainly COVID is, has been, the big, you know, a very big challenge, there are some takeaways that you can say, well, we're going to keep that. And I think the virtual platforms, the amount of programming that we did for our members over those two years virtually was just amazing. When I went back and looked at how many Zooms we did, and, and sometimes they were formal presentations, and sometimes they were just, you know, a questions bubbling up through our listserv, and we say, hey, you know what, well, let's schedule a Zoom on Thursday at 9 o'clock and have everybody gone, get on and collaborate mm-hmm. through Zoom rather than trying to do it by email. So um, I think those are some of the things, and it's just embracing um, mm-hmm. the technology and, you know, never waste a, a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Brian, you, you're coming into this kind of from a, a different perspective from the state level, still working with school business officials. I mean, just from your vantage point, have you seen similarities in that change? And, you know, what 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 have you seen kind of progress? Yeah, I think the the biggest change I've seen and, and you know, I, I certainly know this this is specific to New York. I don't know that other states have have seen it to our degree. Um, but but I imagine many have, and I think that's sort of the responsibilities that are being placed on the profession. Um, you know, looking at my time with with the state education department and some of the other agencies, just knowing you know some some of the requirements that I was involved in that um, you know school business officials in New York are, are now dealing with. Um, you know, it seems to seems to be that uh, you know there's there's always more reporting requirements. There's always more strings attached to. Uh, funding dollars and and there's there's more and more that is asked of the business office um, with, without necessarily getting the extra resources whether whether funding or uh, personnel wise and also we don't see sort of a retirement of any of these requirements and so it's sort of new requirement laid on on top of each other and you know some of uh, 
some of the work that I'm going to be doing in in ASMO is you know is penance for uh, for some of that I've that I've levied on people um, right. over the years. But I, I do think, I, but I think that's 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 reflective of the work that's happening. But it's also reflective of the the skill and dedication that our members have because they've been able to manage. Um, all of these additional requirements. And I think, you know, every state now is dealing with this with the federal ESER funds and, and those sorts of things. So I, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of commendable work going on out there. And, and I think, I think the profession has really handled that transition very well. Yeah. Well I'm, said. Uh, oh, go ahead, Sandy. Back in. Um, one thing I've really noticed is that there's so many ways for people to get information now that I don't think professional organizations are as, popular as they used to be, especially with the younger people. It's really hard to get them involved in professional organizations because there's so many resources and places they can go to get information. And they, they're the, the younger people don't like to sit there all day and just listen. So you, we have to come up with new engaging ways to, to reach them and to provide them with other resources like your magazines and your podcasts that really brings them in. Yeah, well said. And, you know, as all three of you were going through your answers and, and kind of reflecting on what has changed, it seems like the virtual piece really has been a huge monumental shift in terms of how we're communicating with our membership and how professional development is being delivered. And Jack and I actually just had a recording uh, for another episode on professional development. And I'm wondering to this group here, is your membership reaching out to you and saying, we're sick of virtual, we're burnt out, it's been too much? Is there a desire to keep it going? Is there a desire to move more towards in-person? Or is there is it kind of maybe a little bit of both? I'm just curious because I know just kind of anecdotally speaking to people that a lot are sick of Zoom and, and virtual things, but it's just such an easily delivered uh, way of professional development via Zoom than, you know, having a conference or getting together or doing little workshops. I'm just curious, you know, anybody who, who would want to chime in, what what have you kind of been hearing from your, your association membership? Well, I can jump in. Um, I, I think they're very happy to be back in person. We did a uh, an in-person workshop in September and we had pre-COVID numbers and more so. We, it was very, very well attended. But I think there's still a place for the virtual. Um, we are using the virtual a lot for our newer members for our mentorship program because um, they're able to jump on for an hour and not have to drive. And it also allows us to do these um, smaller little bits of information that if it's a topic that maybe wouldn't appeal to every business manager, but would appeal to a good number of them, we might be jumping on a Zoom to do uh, to offer those type of things. So we're really supplementing. We are offering um, a lot more, we have a lot more PD offerings um, now that we're doing both virtual and then in-person workshops as well. Yeah, I agree with Sharon that give, give them the option. You know, if they want, some, if it's short, they're better off doing it virtually and not having to drive and have the expense to get there and be out of the office sure. quite as long. But when you have a conference, yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people, Sharon. They're showing up in big numbers because they're so ready to get back in person. Yeah, and, and I think those are, those are important points because the you know likewise I hear the same thing people people want to do the in person um, events but at the same time it's a challenge you know getting out as frequently as as we might otherwise have and so I think that's where people have voiced uh, you know express support that hey I you know I would I would rather 
be in a room together because I'm not distracted by work. I'm not distracted by family. I'm able to really engage with my uh, peers. That being said, I can't come to this event. So if at least I can hop onto a Zoom, then at least I'm getting some portion of it. So I think I think we're we're all um, you know we all need to be striking this balance of making sure that we can uh, meet meet the needs of our members both in in giving them those networking opportunities, but also balancing against their work and personal life and and not you know, not asking to take them away from those events too much. Yeah, very, very interesting. So um, you three, oh, sorry, I was going to say, you three all sound like you're like the top executive directors. And so I I want to know, based off that, what attributes you may think, you know, an executive director should have, you know, that will that will help you in your nonprofit. And, and really, like, if, is there a more focus on the numbers um, and the results, or is it just like, you know, you having this all-encompassing view to to help um, run the organization. Well, I, as as the newbie, I'm actually going to jump right in there and say, you know, I think uh, Sandy and, and Sharon are great, but we also have a lot of really great executive directors across the country and and internationally. So um, I, I think uh, you know one of the things we we often get together. In fact, the three of us were just together in Mississippi last week for a meeting of, of Eastern State executive directors and. Uh, oh, nice. there's, there's a there's a lot of talented people out in the states, and and we have uh, we have some great networking opportunities amongst ourselves. And I think we all bring different things to the table. I think even among the three of us, you've seen uh, different uh, different experiences coming into this work. But ultimately, we're working towards the same goal with with similar resources. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I, I think the you know our our colleagues in in many of the other states are uh, in that same position. But we've we've got some great opportunities amongst ourselves to. Um, to share what we're doing, I, you know, at, at this meeting last week, I, uh, I had a presentation about the uh, zero emission zero emission uh, school bus mandate that we have here in New York, um, and come to find out, uh, Connecticut, New Jersey now have uh, similar rules as well. And so there's um, there's all wow. sorts of things that we, you know, here here we think we're we're struggling with something that's unique to our state, and and then the group of us get together and come to find out, oh no, you know, there there are others Everybody. that are doing the same thing. So. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of, a lot of great, uh, a lot of great staff out there in, in, in ASBO across the country. And, and I'm, I'm very happy and proud to, to be colleagues with these people. Um, in terms of, uh, attributes, I think, you know, of course you have to be a detail, you have to be detail oriented, but I think you mm -hmm. also have to have that ability to look at the, the big picture and inspire people to want to, uh, you know, have your vision and know how to communicate it with them. Sure. So that people will want to follow you. I mean, you have to be honest and trustworthy, but I think you have to be enthusiastic. You have to make, um, you know, our members can, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, our members, our volunteers, they can spend their time anywhere they want. So we have to make sure that when they come and they volunteer with um, our organization, that they feel it's time well spent, that they accomplish something, that they're doing good work, and that they're also having fun. I mean, Nobody wants to show up and be like, oh, I don't want to be on that. For sure. Yeah, I think Great you need things. to have a, a welcoming attitude and be flexible. Um, at our meeting in Biloxi, um, Kim with Missouri ASBO did a presentation on change. And so be willing to mm -hmm. change and, and embrace the change because we do share a lot of good, good, good ideas. And so if you want to bring those to your board, they may want to run, take it and run with it. They may not, but you have to be mm -hmm. willing to change because the whole world is changing around us. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm just curious, how often do the executive directors across the country get together? Because I know 
for the business officials, it's such a meaningful experience, whether it's meeting with your colleagues in your state or as a member of ASBO International meeting with people across the country. So just how often are you guys able to get together and kind of brainstorm and, and, and network? Well, if I got this right, I believe it's three times. We meet, um, well, our Eastern group meets in the summer, Mm -hmm. and then we meet at ASBO International's Leadership Summit, which is usually about February, and -hmm. then we meet at their conference in the fall. So Mm -hmm. I think it's three times in person that we meet, and then, but we also meet virtually. um, And what what are the numbers like? Is is it a a large, I guess, uh, set of uh, executives? Not all the states have executive directors, but I would think Mm -hmm. at at the two larger meetings, we probably have 35 people there. That's that would have been my guess yeah. as well. Yeah. Good representation. Pretty good, pretty good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Well, we can't thank you all enough for your time today. And on every episode we have, we give our guests an opportunity just to kind of impart some closing words of advice for our listenership. So whether it's a new business official just starting out or somebody who's been in the seat for many years, you know, what kind of advice can you offer to to that individual listening right now? I'd say don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to introduce new ideas. Um, don't mm-hmm. be afraid to be get involved. And I would okay. say when it, whenever there's a new executive director, I always encourage them to get involved in the executive director's group because the amount of time that it may take to go to a meeting or attend a Zoom, you're going to earn that time back many times over by learning from your colleague on how to do something better, how to do something quicker, or just simply to build your network that when you have a question, you have somebody to go to. So I think, you know, reach out Mm -hmm. and build your network of, of people. And likewise, I think, um, you know, sort of the, the backstop to, to both of those answers is recognize that whatever issue you're facing, you're not the first to have dealt with it. And, and I think that's often mm. often difficult because, you know, something is new to mm. us and, and we get exasperated over, oh, how, how are we going to deal with this? And and I think, you know, the, the networking that ASBO provides for school business professionals, the network that, that we as executive directors do really helps us realize, no, we're like the, nothing there is nothing that is new. Everything has happened. Mm-hmm. It has happened to somebody. Somebody knows how to get through <laughs> it. You just need to connect with that person and, you know, and have them help you uh, get through it. So I, I think just just... No, that sort of the G.I. Joe knowing is half the battle, knowing that oh, I like nothing, <laughs> nothing is new and you just have to find where, you know, where it's happened before and, and you'll be able to get through it. That's a very salient point, right? And I'm going to put G.I. Joe on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you all for your time and your advice and just really your perspective on what it's like to run an association of school business officials. I yes, can say on, on behalf of, of, of Jack and myself, we thank you for your work. I know it's a lot having to deal with the board and with your association members. And, you know, it certainly doesn't go unnoticed. So keep up the good work and thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Brian, Sharon, and Sandy today. A really interesting insight into the lives of a, an executive director of oh, a high school level finance stuff association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one thing I learned, John, is that uh, actually a couple of things. Uh, that not every state is interesting. Not every state has an executive director, right? I just assumed um, they did. It's really interesting. Me too. And, and then also, I want to say that how um, Sandy covers multiple areas and you know just hearing that it's like wow that's a big task and doing it for all those years uh so it's good stuff the execs are really 
some really great points. Uh, they really stick together, and I guess this is what keeps all of us going. You know, every single state, and as one of the national, we come together. They have their leadership. This is great. So it's a good episode to hear. This yeah, you can you can definitely get that common thread between us as school business officials. You know, networking and leaning on each other. It's the same exact thing for the executive directors, and yeah, you know, it's, yeah. we we work with them in a very specific capacity. But good to know that they have that network and they build it out uh, mm-hmm. to leverage each other. So definitely. Know, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, yes. Another great conversation, and we'll have more for you next week.